Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have an amazing guest. He has directed so many things, including Silicon Valley. I'm going to read them. Insecure, Grownish, Blackish, A Million Little Things, Station 19, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Atypical, Grey's Anatomy, Single Parents, the list goes on and on. I am so grateful and appreciative to have Pete Chapman come on aboard. Thank you so much. Hi. Thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. How's it going? I'm so glad you're doing great. I'm so happy to have you because I do this podcast and YouTube as a give back to all the artists who come through the studio or watch and observe the studio. And right. I really want them to get to know you because you have made a really great career for yourself. And I want to talk about when you, you started at NYU and your first you know, your, your thesis, and I want to talk about that project, but you also, I know you have so much knowledge to give to all actors who want to direct and directors who want to act, all of that, because you also made that adjustment to be able to go into directing for comedy and drama, and that is amazing to me. So, Pete, tell us your story. Can we start at NYU? Can we talk? I don't know. Yeah, yeah we've got, I mean, having doing my having a podcast as well and you know I, I just got a book deal my my origin story is at the tip of the tongue um yeah so I'll rewind a little bit back uh but like in in high school I had the opportunity to pick up a super eight millimeter film camera which mm -hmm. gave me the opportunity to try something that I never would have tried mm -hmm. and because of that and the fortunate uh happenstance of having my film teacher in Maplewood, New Jersey. Um, I love have, it. Have, have gone to NYU. The thing that I took away from that experience was A, I like this, uh, you know, process of, of making films, mm -hmm. but also if you make films, you must go to NYU because that's all the information <laughs> that I have. And so, so you have no other path. This I, is I, there was no other path. I, I only applied there. I didn't apply anywhere else um, because I, I researched it and I was like, well, I don't really want to go anywhere else. So fortunately, wow. I got in. Um, <laughs> Which is super hard to get into that school. Jeez. Well, you know, my thought was, and it's funny saying this because I think it's, it's something that's carried over. My thought was, if I go to every open house and little coffee breakfast and whatever it is that they have, I imagine there's a chance I'm giving myself a better shot because I would assume they're looking at that list. Wow. And this Chapman guy has been to everything that we've thrown, you know, and maybe they're looking at that coupled with my, my you know, portfolio, coupled with yes. my grades, coupled with my SAT and that. And I know we'll get back to this kind of stuff, but that is such a component of just any industry or community that you're trying to uh, uh, kind of plant yourself in. Mm. Um, but yeah, I went there, I went to NYU, I was focused on um, directing, which meant I became focused on writing because no one was giving me anything to direct, yeah. which meant I was then focused on producing because no one was going to, you know, schedule it or whatever. Right. Um, and then every now and then I would uh, act in these things because it was a, a good way to control costs. I do all of them, but mostly I was interested in directing 
and telling stories about people that look like me who were typically on the periphery of the things that I watched. So it's like, we're the doctor, we're the nurse, we're the, you know, or, or we're like the like authority figure, you know, like we're the judge or the, um, you know, or maybe even God, if you're Morgan Freeman, but like, as far as like exploring like interpersonal relationships and like the world that kind of you maneuver through and live through and, and love through, that wasn't being shown as much in 1995. And so I, I wanted to do, I wanted to direct stories that helped to put a, put a lens on that. Before you got into NYU though, was it just that, was that life-changing moment with your high school teacher that mm -hmm. brought you that camera, that showed you that camera and you all of a sudden knew instantly that you needed to tell stories? What was that moment for you? Even it was you. it was two things it was it was the, I remember doing an exercise where um, the way that I shot something in some basic scenario because we had to come up with what we were shooting it was never never great um, but the way that I shot it the teacher George Chase was like that's a really smart way to shoot that like you like you did that like so in a nutshell it was like a character coming from a train platform down the stairs to the street level to a payphone and I had them get off the train and then my, the next shot was like uh payphone days right so this is even more yeah <laughs> but it was then I the next shot was looking up at the like you know Bell Atlantic sign and tilting down as the actor walked up to it. Mm -hmm. And everyone else's films would have been get off the train, open the door, yeah. walk down all the stairs, open yeah. the next door, come around the bend. Yes. Um, and so that kind of acknowledgement, I was like, oh, well, that I just did that because that's what it felt like I should do to put the puzzle together. Yes. Um, and then, uh, Beyond that, it was seeing do the right thing. Um, and that was the first time um, I saw it after um, it had come out, because it came out in 89. I probably saw it four years later. Um, but it was the first time that I saw the life that I knew presented on the big screen. And that had a, an immense kind of uh, value um, for me and it did this little but very big thing of uh, taking my experience and making it worthy of being told, you know? Yeah. So that high school teacher, what's his name, her name? George Chase. Wow. Yeah. It's really important to have teachers that instill positive energy to you. It really right. transforms who you are. So I, that story really resonates with me. So right. let's move forward. So then you got into NYU because you went to every mixer. <laughs> <laughs> that's the key. That is the key. Go to every mixer there is. Uh-huh. So that's amazing. So you started there, but your thesis, I want to talk about your thesis project. So when you went to NYU, which is a great education and you did directing, producing, writing and acting, um, the thesis project that was Carrie Washington in your class that she starred in this project with you that you created and it was called uh, 3D. 
It was called 3D. It was, um, she wasn't in my class um, and she actually wasn't on my audition schedule. But oh. when I knew who was in the film, knew her, I was like, hey, why don't you come through on this audition? And <laughs> she came through and I was like, oh, I like what you're doing, okay. you know? Um, and so I cast her um, for, for the project and I kind of knew uh, I knew immediately that I wanted to explore um, the idea further of casting her. And then I kind of, you know, at that time, you have the opportunity um, when we're all on the same level to kind of run people through additional paces. Yes. You know, I, could, I could like, let me run uh, a bunch of different scenes with her and, and Dorian Missick, who was the lead, um, the other lead, or let me run uh, the other actress who was kind of, vying for it up, you know, through the same scenes and like, let me really get, uh, find a way to discern who I think best fits the, the part. So, so amazing and joyful because there was no, probably no anxiety about it. It was raw, mm -hmm. you know, storytelling mm -hmm. and there was no uh, weird energy. It was just pure young artistry, yes? And you know, honestly, I feel like uh, that, is what it always is. We, the challenge is to remove all the other things from, yeah. from like around it so you can still do that thing that's always been in the middle. You know, like how do I, how do I like, you know, I start um, blackish in a few days and it'll be like the fifth one that I'm, I've done there. Yeah. And so, how do I go in there and, and, and get to the core of like having fun, telling this story in the best way, making the show that it is, but finding myself in the story so there's a reason I'm here versus someone else mm -hmm. without like taking it off to a divergent path. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to figure that out, uh, which I think I've been able to do, you're able to tell more stories. Yes, you know? and people are going to bring you back, which is I met you because I was coaching on the show Gronish and I watched you and I really liked you right away. That was my first episode ever. Oh my God, this is kiss my first episode ever. Wow, well, let me tell you something. For your first episode ever, I watched and I thought this guy is so cool and calm and collected and charming but knows how to communicate and collaborate and tell that story in such a calm fashion. And it is the director's job. He's got to run that show, even though, and you are very welcome, in television, you're, you're not consistent. So you, every time a director has to come in to a show, they have their family and you're walking into their family. So that quality that you have and that charm confidence is allows everyone to be calm and open their hearts to you and trust you. That's, I think. Well, thank you. I, I, the, the, the analogy that I often use in explaining the job of the, of the TV director. Yes. Yes. Um, and I'm, we'll talk about film directing after, but yes. Yeah. It's, uh, I say that it is being invited to someone's home to cook Thanksgiving dinner and you're going to use their recipe, you're gonna use their stove, their ingredients, and they're gonna tell you how many people are coming, 
what time is to be ready. And they want you to make it like last year, but do your own thing to it. And so your job is to figure out what is my version of my own thing on this show. So like there are shows where I'm like, okay, I will try, um, I don't, I, I won't get too into weeds, but like, let's say like, um, I'm just thinking of Blackish cause it's coming up yeah. and I'm watching yeah. it again. Like, oh, I have a montage sequence that I know is unique to my episode. Mm. It, it is not gonna be in any of these other scripts. We're on location, the storyline is X, and I know that I can, I can put a little something on that. Yeah. So I'm thinking about one where I did all these whip pans to connect the, um, to connect the montage. So it's like the camera's whipping from here to there. And like every time it's like the actions advanced. Um, now, if I'm in Stevens and Lido, I'm not doing anything different. Those conference room scenes are those conference room scenes. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to always figure out where might be an opportunity to put, be, a, little put, a, little, put a little me in it. So some shows, <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's cooking dinner. Sometimes it's like, I'll put a, a different spice on something or yeah. I'll, I'll bring a dessert that no one has to eat or I'll deep fry the turkey. And I know that they're, they'll be open for something really different. Hilarious, but that is so right. But what about when you, have you had the experience coming onto set and you felt that tension, a little bit of tension energy that you had to kind of not sponge off of because I work with actors and there's a lot of energy to sponge off of and you right. can't even as a guest star or co-star, a new person coming onto set, you have to be so malleable not to take that energy. Have you ever experienced that? All the time. I, I feel like uh, the, the, this, my job and the actor's job is a job of, um, it, it's a job of Zen to some degree, right? Because I always try first to think about what the other person is going through or where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. So I know that, you know, for all I know, the last three directors could have been garbage, yeah. right? And, and so then I show up and they've had 15 days of garbage and they're not necessarily open immediately to what I might step up and offer with my first note or my first like, hello. They're like, it's been whack for the past month. Yeah. And so I know that that's possible, whatever, yeah. however you are, I'm just here to like, be a fresh injection of perspective that complements what you do. And maybe if I'm lucky, I, you know, I can re-energize you to do the thing that you love yeah. and let's just make it, you know? And if I can come in where I'm like not receiving anything, yep. I don't, because I don't necessarily know what you're giving me. So mm -hmm. why am I responding to it as if I do? It sounds very spiritual. Are you spiritual in that way? Because that is a very uh, high place to come into uh, a mindset. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm spiritual in the sense of, of trying to find my own peace and tranquility, you know, yeah. and, and just, I, I just look back at everything that I go through. Like, I remember when I was doing all the meetings before I started really working consistently. And I was like, 
I have meetings that I think went well mm-hmm. that didn't turn into a job. Right. I have meetings that were like weird and then I got the job. Yeah. So my actual job is not is to go into all of these rooms prepared and to present what I've prepared and be nimble in responding to what I get back from the people. But to think that because it went well is going to equal the job is putting an expectation on something that I, I can't, it could have gone well because they just got married and they're happy today. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other one could have gone poorly because like they don't, you know, something in their life happened and I'm receiving that. So like, yeah. I just give you me. That's amazing. But you know, what you just said about you can give the best meeting and not get the job, same thing for actors. You can give the best audition of your life and leave going, I rocked it, that's it. They're gonna hire me, you never hear anything. So it's the same thing for both. So what would it be when you first started, what was that turning point? So for people that are directors that are just starting out that happen to be listening and they're gonna tune in because they wanna hear your voice, uh, what is that process? Do you have to get an agent? Do you have to, how, how do you have a reel or, you know, to even get started? What's that, what's that all about? So I, my guiding principle is to create for yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you are not a multi-hyphenate, you are, and you're just singularly focused, chances are you know other people who can do the other jobs that allow you to create a project. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, my guiding principle was always, well, if I just make as many projects as I can, as often as I can, exploring the themes that are important to me, mm-hmm. then I give, I'm doing two things. I'm getting better as a storyteller. I am increasing the volume of work that might potentially connect with someone and make them be like, oh, I like what you're doing. Come over here to this mm-hmm. thing. But at the same time, I'm not producing in this vacuum where I need their approval and their stamp Mm -hmm. because everything that I'm making is satisfying me. And and that took a little bit of time to to pivot to, but the moment that I I started doing that, things started to happen. Oh, Uh, interesting, because you had a point of view. You had a a message so that people understood it. I had, and I think I always had that, but I, I was, over a long enough timeline, I was kind of getting a little discouraged and probably bitter by what the journey was. Uh, well, so what, let me just interject. I'm sorry. What was that journey? So you get out, you have a thesis film that does well, and then you didn't work right away. What was that struggle? Yeah. People so, want to hear about that too, because it doesn't just happen like this. Right. No, it, it doesn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, so I graduated in 1999. My film went to Sundance in 2001. Um, Incredible. I thought that would open the doors up and it didn't. Uh, I had been kind of told that, you know, the pinnacle of student filmmaking is Sundance. So I was like, yo, I did that. Yeah. Um, between 1999 and 2005, I was raising money for the first feature that I wrote, produced and directed that starred um, Dorian Missick, who was in my NYU projects going back to junior year, 
And this time I casted Zoe Saldana. And Hill Harper. And right? Hill Harper. Premium. Yes. And so, yeah, that one was called Premium. So I made this film. Um, we ended up traveling the film festival circuit. Um, it got a limited distribution, uh, limited theatrical distribution deal. We later had a Showtime cable premiere. Now that's like 2008. So oh, graduated wow. 99. Yes. Short and feature 2008. And what did you do? You just believed in yourself so much that nothing was going to stop you. You kept going because I would think that after going to Sundance and not having anything happen, that you could go two ways with that. You could just right. close up the, 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 the house and just move on to something else right. or continue. So you believed in yourself. Right. I think the most important thing, um, it, it sounds crazy to phrase it like this, but I feel like the most important thing I've said uh, <laughs> is, is that I had a very passionate, purposeful desire to tell stories. Mm. And so it was like, you know, how do I tell these stories about these black people? You mm -hmm. know, all these picture posters on my wall are the, are the results of that desire. And so um, when all, and all this while I'm working at NYU, I'm teaching, but I'm also working in an administrative capacity, like in the production office, like working with wow. students. Wow. Um, so then I make a featured documentary about black tankers in World War II. Um, I make that between like 06 and 08. Um, in 08, I co-write a script, a heist screenplay, um, because I started to, a friend of mine was like, look, maybe you should do something genre um, because that might, you keep, you, you want to be all smart and shit, you know, and like maybe you should just do something genre. And so I was like, cool. And we wrote a heist film, um, mm. which of course was all smart and shit. And it had historical fiction anchored in it. Um, but I won this competition at Tribeca. This and is so amazing. This is incredible. So I thought so too, but I had I, I had no I had no representation. Nobody would sign me. I, Nobody I would sign you even after you won awards. Nope. No um, way. What happened after that was I did what people do is I was writing screenplays that I thought would sell, none of which did. <laughs> I, I was building my production company, doing music videos and commercials and whatnot, and then. I started teaching more uh, part-time, but I left the administrative job at NYU after 10 years. But and can so, I ask you, where did you have time to do the writing after working all day? Would you stay up to all hours and just... Yeah. Writing I, was incredibly hard. It was my version of like an actor's life. Like I didn't need to wait tables, yeah. but I, I needed a job that from... <laughs> 5.01 p.m. to 8.59 a.m. My time was my time. Wow. You know, and wow. Amazing. I, I think people, I think people overcomplicate or I think people minimize what can be accomplished in a day, you know? I agree. I hear people making excuse after excuse. And my opinion is if you really want it, you're gonna make it happen. Right. And it only only you, the individual, can make that happen. Nobody else. Right. When I when I was writing this book over pandemic during the pandemic, I was like, I, I outlined it all. I had I was like, you will write a chapter a day, like just that's, that's what you're gonna do, you know. And like 
you just do it. And maybe you don't need Wait, to go. What is the book? What is the book? It's uh, it's tentatively called "Let's Shoot: A Director's Journey and Motivational Handbook," and oh. it it actually kind of talks about a lot of what we're talking about here, but like it has keywords for each chapter and principles to keep in mind, as well as like resources and uh, it's a bit like how to self help and inspirational for. That's so funny because the book I wrote, The Positive Path for Actors, is the same thing. We're on the same, we have the same vibe going because it's, it really is that positive outlook and that really helps open doors because it opens your heart and it makes so many more things possible. But I'm going to get a copy of that book. When does it come out? Uh, I have to deliver the manuscript January 1 and I think it'll be out no later than September 1st of next year. Amazing. So more to come on that, but yes. it's it's increment, it's incremental, you know, and, and, and during that time, I just was very focused on, uh, on, on building those increments because also when you're writing a script and then when you're taking meetings about it, you, in the busiest week, you're going to have what, five hours of meetings. So like, what else are you going to do with your time? (laughs) You know, um, and so I, the company built, I'll kind of wrap this up, but I, I built the company, branded content became uh, a thing. And I did a job that kind of paid me well. And I was like, you know what? Let me go and make something for me again. It's 2014. I've been making things for other people since you know 2008. And I want to see literally where my talent level lies at this moment in time as like a temperature check. Wow. And I reached out to a buddy of mine. He had a script that always stuck with me. This was uh, my short black card. And I was like, look, I'll pay for this thing. Like, let's talk about the script, get it to a place where like, I think it's an optimal short film. And uh, my intent with that was to really just see where my skills were. And that short got picked up by HBO. And so then I got into directing programs and, and in 2015, I got, a age, I got a manager, which then led to an agent in 2015. So 16 what? years. That's, um, Pete, I'm so happy that you're telling this story because people always assume that it's easy for everybody. 16 years of massive amounts of commitment, but you're still not stopping, which is so incredible because you have the podcast, now you have a book, and now you're still writing films, and now you're directing every episodic, I mean, comedy drama. It's crazy. So after you got this uh, manager, was the agent the breakthrough that set up all of a sudden television meetings? It was, it was a combination. I mean, I, I'm very happy with my folks. They work in tandem. Um, and I met with a bunch of uh, different agencies and I ended up yeah. going with a, a boutique one um, because my assessment was, you sound like you're gonna, your money is, your money is really tied to me making money. Yeah. And I feel a little, I feel the passion uh, behind you. And I think what's super important is I was very clear about what, so, well, two things. Mm-hmm. They helped me focus on picking a lane because my thing was like, well, look. Oh, interesting. I've made two feature films. 
I've done music videos, you know, several hundred thousand dollar music videos. I've done commercials in print. Like I shoot, I edit. Yeah, I can do it. I can do whatever. And they were like, it's going to be better for us if we focus on one thing. And so the decision was to focus on half hour single camera comedies because historically, whether actors or directors, I can, I can look at examples of people going from comedy to drama, but I don't really see them going from drama to comedy. Yeah. And so True. with that, I put together a list of shows on every network, broadcast, basic cable, premium cable and streaming. And I said, look, here's 30 shows, 25 of them, I feel like it'd be cool to do, you know? Yeah. And like five are like, and by, and I, I don't mean to diminish it, but like I would do well with this show. I watch it, I get it. Yeah, you feel connected to the world. I feel connected to the world. And then, you know, five of them are like insecure. Silicon Valley, you know, <laughs> shows I would eventually do. Um, yes. And we then made a plan to meet all the people connected with those shows. So over two to three years, I had hundreds of meetings and, you know, um, it all kind of loops back in with the fortitude, uh, uh, for two, well, the luck, I guess, of I, the fourth program I got into, I did Sony, then I did HBO, then I did NBC, and then I did Disney ABC, and I shadowed on Blackish. Um, and I had met Kenya back in 2002 on one of my LA trips when uh, we were just at a Fat Burger. I knew we had a bunch of mutual friends and we were just all talking about the things we wanted to do. And so 14 years later, I'm shadowing on the show. Here's someone who's aware of what that journey has been. Um, and he was the first one to say, uh, I'm going to give you an episode of the show. So he was the first job. That's amazing. He's such a cool guy. And I, um, I love all his success because he deserves it. He right. just is a give, give, giver, yeah. really awesome human being. Um, so can I just ask you, so after you got the agent and the manager, so you never really, you didn't have a meeting, a formal meeting, because I want people to know what that looks like for a director. When your agent calls you, you have to meet this person or this person. And I also want to go backwards. What were the programs at Sony that uh, upcoming directors need to be aware of? Right. So when you say, uh, form, like, did I have a formal meeting with, um, with whom? With like the executive producers of the show to have the major oh. personality. I mean, how does that yes. get Yeah. Yeah. So every, every job for me. Um, so, I mean, I think there are similarities for the, for the actor, right? Um, there's obviously the casting director who's a bit of a, the first line of defense yeah. in some, yeah. in some cases, right? Um, but then there's going to be the producers and there, and there's going to be, you know, the, the showrunner, the network. I think we probably are dealing with a different triumvirate, but a similar one. Right. And so for me, the purpose of sharing those targeted shows was for, um, me to meet with the three stakeholders connected to each of those shows. So that was, yeah. you know, that would be 
Uh, I'm thinking of a good example. Here, here's a here's a good example. Okay. So um, that speaks to the marathon longevity of things as well as the specificity of your question. Yeah. That short I did in 2014 that got picked up by HBO. My lead was the wife of Dorian, who had been in my thing since 1997. Now, after this short, she goes on to be Misty Knight and Luke Cage, and now she's the number one on All Rise. Just so, I just, I love how life works. It, it, I love it. Yes. And so for a show like All Rise, whether, I, whether I'm entering after having begun working and people being familiar or I'm just getting started, mm -hmm. that was my entry point. But I met with the producing director um, because he's representing, you know, the show. Okay. Um, and, uh, and more in charge of hiring the, and overseeing the directors than like the showrunner is the writers or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So that meeting goes well. I also have to um, be known or have met with Warner Brothers because they're the production company. Okay. So, you know, rewind back to 2015, 16, like I'm having Warner Brothers meetings connected to whatever show it might be specifically, but people bounce around. Right. And then the third part of that is the network, which is CBS. Mm. And so none of these three entities want to go to bat over whether or not I should direct or because they need to go to bat over the season arc or okay. a particular script. Yeah. So that's why it's so important to, to have some like social currency and know as many people as possible. Connections, um, connections. I talk about it all the time. You got it. You have to, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the programs were a bit of uh, a bit of a mixture of nudging you toward building your first relationships right. um, while also educating you as to how television production works, because it was vastly different from anything I'd ever done in the sense of like, yeah, just the workflow. But what was similar was what I've been doing in commercials and branded content, which is you already know how to sell CoverGirl. I'm here to do that and mm -hmm. find a way to add myself into it. Mm -hmm. um, and so that I, I was like, well, that's the thing I already know how to do. So what were those programs called? They're just a director programs and what are they, are they there for extra training and you have to give a sample to get accepted into this program? How does that work? Yeah, so my short black card kind of became my 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 oh, sample right. and my yeah. calling card. Um, the programs were born out of a DGA survey um, from a whatever year, I think maybe 2014. Okay. But that year they looked at every possible um, uh, available directorial slot for all shows, TV, streaming, whatever. And it was like almost 900 shows. I'm, I'm sorry, almost 900 available directorial slots and only 7% were not white males. And so the DGA was like, um, that's not really, how is that happening? That's not yep. reflective of what is actually going on. Mm -hmm. And so 
the studios and networks worked in concert with the DGA to create a pipeline to no longer be able to say, we don't know where the talent is. And so a lot of these programs were, you know, you go there, they've seen your work and you're meeting executives or you're getting to observe on a show or you're getting a little boot camp education around how the industry works. And if you're, uh, and they all are designed differently, but it's if you're able to figure out how to best navigate that, you're giving yourself a fighting chance to um, stand out from the crowd and get in front of people who were not, um, for whatever reason, you know, and we know what those reasons are, but they weren't coming across your content or putting or, or valuing it. And so people like me who had been out there, you know, a tree falling in the forest for, you know, 15 years now, you know, there was uh, somebody ready to at least know that there was a forest. And wow, that's incredible. I love this story so much. And then all of a sudden, and now, like from that first job, did it just take off from there? It just, bam. It because was, you're one of the busiest directors now. You are back to back to back. It was, and I'm, now I'm super thankful for it. It was, you deserve it, I feel like it was a, a best laid plan that worked out because all of the meetings when it's like like the hardest part is like you need that person to give you the first one yeah and that is and i understood that i knew like me raising half a million dollars for my first feature mm-hmm. was a unique event because mm-hmm. there is a different kind of emotional connection for the investor than oh. your second film your second film, the first one had better have been good. Yes. And, so. and by good, it had better have made money. Yeah. Right? And so there's a you there's a particular kind of like, oh, I gave so-and-so their first job thing yes. that you'll be able to benefit from. Mm-hmm. But then how do you get the next one? Yeah. And then also, do you get hired back? Like being hired back for a show is like the proof that you are hireable. Yeah. And so um, I was fortunate to have, uh, A, gotten my first job with a prolific creator who has a, a, an ecosystem of shows, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I had also been having meetings for two and a half years. So once that first thing happened, and I'm able to keep in touch. I've been keeping in touch with all those people. And I'm like, hey, guess what? This thing is on the air. Yeah. Then there were people quite specifically, um, the first program I did, they were like, more or less, they were like, we're not going to be the one to give you your first show. You know? <laughs> but after I, I got a show, then yeah. I met with them again. And then yeah. they put me in front of... Um, the creator and executive producer of Atypical. And that's how I booked that show by keeping that relationship alive for the two years, you know. And how, and how did you keep that relationship alive? Emails, phone calls, just keeping them abreast of situations? Just what, keeping them, I think that, you know, I, I talk about this in the book and I talk about nurturing, not networking. Oh, right? good. Yeah. Because I think people, the I, when I hear networking, I hear the person, I hear, or I envision, you know, it's not COVID. We meet at, a, at, a, at, a, at an event and my name 
you know, is five seconds from having been said, and you're looking over my shoulder for somebody better than me. Mm. And even if I'm on, I'm just trying to get my foot in the door, you know, I remember that shit, you mm. know what I mean? And like, and if I am, and that, and it happens at all levels, it's oh, still, happens, right? And yeah. so how do you nurture a relationship? Well, you, you have a genuine interest in that person. Yeah. You know, you see, um, you follow the trades and you're like, oh, that person that was in the writer's room on this thing that I did. And, oh yeah, look, I do have their email. I saw they just got a show picked up over at ABC. Yo man, congrats. You know, yeah. like yeah, non-burdensome yeah. non communication. Oh, I uh, love that. Non-burdensome communication. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind but of. You a, generally like the person. You're generally intrigued. You're not wanting to take get anything from that person. You're just in the give. Right. I think that if you stay in that give and you really are truthful to what your higher purpose and passion is, it all comes. I mean, you have you're having so much success, and I mean, like all those people that were in your class at NYU, only how much percent of those people have that drive to keep going? because you never know, you know? Right. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, 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 I think about all of the times that I could have said, all right, I gave it the old college try. Yeah. You know, and wow. I would not have been, you know, I had done enough things that people could have been like, well, he fucking tried. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, ass off. It, he did it. Yeah. yeah. Like, but I think going, like I said before, I think that, the reason you're doing this is so important. Mm. You know, like if if you're in it for fame, if that fame doesn't come quick, good luck. Yeah. If, if you're in it for because it's not like it's not like it's not a meritocracy, you know, and it's also not and it's also subjective. It's not like you know, if I score the most points and grab the most rebounds, I'll get drafted. Like, Correct. so what do you do in the wilderness? Right. You tell stories, which is what you always wanted to do. We just happen to be in an industry where you can get paid well to do it. Yes. So amazing. Okay, so what's next for you? You are you are you booked for the whole for the rest of? Uh, the year, well, the year's almost over, but I mean, how does it work? Do you get booked into 2021? Yeah, it's in a, I mean, it's COVID, so it's hard to apply a standard to it. But like, right. um, what normally happens is around March, April, May, mm -hmm. you start getting booked for July to December for like broadcast stuff mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and, and premium cable stuff. And then around November, around now, when yes. things get their back order, yes. and they're like, oh, now we gotta fill in those slots. And then the cable stuff begins to happen. So I'm fortunate to, I'm gonna start Blackish Monday. I'll, that'll be the last thing for this year. In January, I'm gonna do the Unicorn. Uh, ah. Then I'm gonna do two episodes of You um, okay. in, February and March. Then I think I'm back for a season finale. And then I just had a meeting about an Apple show in May. 
and another hopefully new HBO thing in June. So it's amazing, Pete. It's just so great. But you know what it stems from? Your conviction and your your desire to tell those stories. It really, really does. How did you make that transition though? You said you started in comedy. How did you make that transition into drama? Because that's not so easy. Right. What it's you not, have to do to build that trust? It's not easy at all. And I think that, um, you know, there were, so on that, on that list of all the shows that I gave to my um, agent and my manager, there were dramas on there. Yeah. I, and, and while, and so it was, so we were all aware that this was a thing. And so let's say I met with um, someone at a, at a production company that I'm meeting about a comedy, but right. you have a drama that I'm yeah. interested in as well. I'm changing my elevator pitch. Ah. So like when I talk about like, you know, who I am and my passions and how I got here. For the most part, I'm leaving all the dramatic stuff out mm -hmm. because it doesn't add value to me trying to get my first ever half hour comedy. It's like, why are you talking about drama? You want, you want to match the sensibility and the genre. I want to match the sensibility. Yeah. But if I'm like, okay, well, y'all got, you know, this is us. And I think that would be something I'd love to do. I'm going to change that bio and origin story because somewhere at the end of the meeting I'm going to mention that I love dramas <laughs> you know? and and also I don't know if it's the same for actors but there there's what we do but there's also who we are and so a lot of times people ask you and I could talk at length about meetings because there's a whole strategy and psychology to that. But like people will ask you, well, what else are you watching? That is such an opportunity, mm. right? That's an opportunity for me to be like, so yeah, I'm out here doing these comedies, but like, I love shit like this, yeah. right? Because that person you're talking and, and to be honest about it, because yeah. that person you're talking to there might go to be a creative exec at Apple and they'll remember, like, they had this kind of real moment where like, oh, you like that dude, like the documentary about the royal family. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? So everything's an opportunity to kind of well, show. I think, I think in the pitch too, and it is the same for actors because in your first meeting, you have to be truthful in who you are and that has to resonate. So if the truthfulness about you and they want to hang out with you, that's going to open doors to wanting them to potentially have you direct their shows. Right. right. And I, and I think if, if, you know, finding a way to just be, to design, <laughs> to design who you are to some degree, to know who you are, but then to hop up to 10,000 feet and say, how, how do I take the truth of everything that I've lived and experienced and that I want to do and design a, a, a presentation of it that is useful for me, for where I want to go? That's awesome. Do you write, is it like, do you write out like a monologue for yourself, like a comedy version monologue for all that genre and then for a drama type? So you just have little hooks so you can tell different parts of your stories? I have, I'm all about that. Like, I feel like, I mean, I just had a, a pitch today. I had my whole thing written out and I know what I'm going to say, but like there's certain like things that I, I want to make sure I say because that wording 
resonates. Yeah. You know, and sometimes yeah. like I don't want to I don't want to leave it to chance to like flub what could be a, a button on a, a part of the pitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's really designing the experience. Um, and we're doing that, you know, from I, I like to I like I view like a meeting is your first opportunity to see how I direct almost, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I go into a meeting and I'm with someone who talks a lot, well, how do I get it back on track to what I came to talk about? Mm. You know, and then if I'm in a meeting with someone who's shy, well, we're not going to be here silent. So yeah. like, how do I, I that. how do I do that? And, and in, in that is subconsciously the directorial experience, yeah. you know? You're shaping it in the meeting. You're shaping a beginning, middle and end to the story, your own yeah. story. You're closing the deal, but that's what actors have to do too. And they have to really, it's all the same. This industry, okay. you can't be without each other. There should be no, you know, odd, you know, levels because you need the writer, you need the executive, you need the director, you need the artist. Mm -hmm. So it's all one. You are so fascinating. I would like to do a whole episode about the meeting because I think people really, it's so important your meeting as actors and writers and everything because you're pitching yourself, but you have to be organic and truthful and real and connected. And then you have to be so aware of the people that you're connecting to and what their vibe is. <laughs> but to the actors out there, it's no different than all the prep you do to know your lines and then get to a place where even though you know exactly what you're going to say and do and feel, mm. you remove what you need to so it can be real. Yeah. You know, it, it's where, and I think we just get in our own way and, and, and you gotta, you gotta lose the desire to be fucking liked. And that, and, and that doesn't mean to be harsh or rough around the edges, but like, here is me. Yeah. And 100%. then you'll find that now, unless you is, you know, need some work, <laughs> but like, but like what you'll then find is you're going to find the people who have been looking for people like you, mm. you know, and for whom you joining their team is the perfect fit. So now you're working on things where you can be yourself yeah. on projects where you add value, mm. you know, and, and, and now like, that's the goal. Yes, that is so incredible. Before we close out, and I end this podcast with three positive tips for directors out there. But before we do that, uh, I want to just quickly mention your podcast and what that's all about and how uh, people that tune in today can find you on that. Right. Um, so thank you. I appreciate that. My, my podcast is called Let's Shoot um, with Pete Chapman, um, hence the title of the book. Of the book. And it's basically, um, I try and have conversations with directors, screenwriters, showrunners, executives. That's going to be my new thing to get some executives on. Um, and basically, we talk about um, what makes a good story and why stories will always matter while framing it through the particular guest's job. And the idea much like what you've designed with, with your great podcast is to just, you know, 
A, talk long enough that we get away from sound bites, you know? And I just riff. I riff because I connect. I just want people to learn. I want people to feel like they're making a connection and learning another element. And it's exactly. give back. And having, and, and feeling like a, almost like a third guest at the, at the coffee table, you know? Yeah, hanging out. Um, so that, that's what it is. And, and uh, it's great because I'll be sharing some of the conversations from the podcast and the book um, uh. for directors. And, you know, going back to community, um, you know, I had a podcast in 2011 and one of my final guests was Issa Rae. And oh. that kind of community building was without a doubt helpful in being able to do uh, the show within the show in season two and then eventually an episode in season three. And so she was actually my first uh, uh, agreed guest for the new podcast. Oh, that's um, amazing. But then I've got directors like um, Michael Spiller, Seath Mann, I've got Rob McElhenney of It's Always Sunny and Mythic Quest fame, um, Simone Missick. So it's really a good, uh, relaxed, educational, honest, uh, keep it 100 conversation for people who just want to know what this industry is really like. Yeah, and so many people are on the outside, they don't know and they want to get in and they don't know how. Yeah. And if you guys out there listening, you really want to get in, you will find your way. And you just have to be courteously aggressive doing it. You just have to keep on, keep on, you know? Yes. You really, really do. I know as an actress, I paid people. When I was an actor years ago, I would find out projects. I would go to Warner Brothers, and this is pre-9-11, and I would pay. I would drive onto the lot, and I would pay the guys in the carts to drive me to the casting offices. I did whatever it took. Right. You got to do it. It's game on. You know, you got to treat it like an athlete, and it is game on. Yeah. Before we close out, Pete, I adore you. Thank you so much for coming. Give three pieces of advice for young directors out there. So... Three pieces of advice. Yes. Um, a positive inspiration, please. Positive, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in no particular order, just as they come to me. Um, find your voice. Mm. I feel like you can find it through making films, uh, but I, I honestly feel like you'll find it through lived experience and researching other people's experience, watching other things, reading other things, but without a voice, I don't know what you're really doing as a director mm -hmm. because a voice gives you a perspective. Um, so find your voice. Um, then I would say, master the craft. There are what I most appreciate about the long journey is that I've learned by virtue of necessity and desperation to do so many things that make me immensely good at my job now. Yeah. And so I shot hundreds of those branded content videos. I edited hundreds of those videos. Yeah. I, I've done production design. Now, when I'm working in TV and the clock is running and I have either to make sure I get enough coverage or someone has the nerve to write, you know, in a very stylized sequence and I get to go to town and do something like unique. 
I know exactly how to achieve it because I, I've done those jobs. Um, and I think that you'll be able to have a voice, but you exponentially elevate your ability to say it the way you want to say it when you know how all of the different pieces move. Um, so find your voice, master the craft, and um, be a provider of good energy. Mm, that was beautiful. That was, I agree with everything you said 1000% in all aspects. Thank you, Pete, so much for taking this Thank time, you. for giving back to everybody. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, everybody out there who's listening or watching this when it, but this is going to drop in a couple of weeks. And uh, be safe out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Peace.